entrepreneurs, small business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builders Show, and alongside with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides in this learning journey. Good morning, D.C. Taylor. Good morning, Marty. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, we have somebody else joining us, uh, a, a regular guest joining us again. Aren't we thrilled? I've heard of this guy. You have, <laughs> and his name is Dana Oliver. Hi, Dana. Hey, good morning, Marty. Good morning, DC. How are you gentlemen Dana. doing? We're, we're doing we're doing great. And by the way, you can learn more about me, my work, and our past shows, including the past shows with Dana, at my website, which is MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. That's MartyWolfBusinessSolutions.com. And I'd like to give a shout out to the folks who are kind enough to support these shows, actually uh, our sponsor this show, and that is today is Kevin's Worldwide, and they're one of America's leading promotional products and uniform companies. You can learn more about them at kevinsww.com. So as we've mentioned, Dana Oliver is our guest again for the eighth edition of the Business Builder Show. This has been a series, which is the first time we have ever done this on the Business Builder Show. So um, Dana's work is very important for our business audience. His book that has been the foundation of our discussion is Mantra Design Innovate, Buy, or Die. Discover the Secrets for Profitable and Lasting Innovation. So, Dana, we're going to continue our discussion, but briefly give me uh, your, your, your background, if you will, and I'm sure mm-hmm. other people have already listened, but give us a, a brief uh, introduction, and, uh, well, let's start there, okay? Oh, sure, absolutely. Thank you, Marty. Uh, so certainly 30 years uh, in medical devices. Um, I, uh, the last 14 years I spent with Medtronic Surgical Technologies, a division that I helped grow from $100 million to $2 billion. I've got 25 patents. I've authored two books. So certainly not bad credentials. No, not at all. <laughs> Impressive credentials. <laughs> and um, so our series has been going through the different what you call mantras, Mm-hmm. And we're going to get in, I think it's mantra, I think it's 14. But mm-hmm. bef- to set this up, I'm going to specifically say on, on page 175 of your book, audience, I want you to listen very carefully what I'm going to say, because it's going to set this, it's going to be the segue for our discussion for everything that Dana has talked about, for, specifically for today. Here's what Dana says. Let your customers tell you whether or not your product offering can satisfy the challenge of capitalism. Let me repeat that. I want you to really get this. Let your customers tell you whether or not your product offering can satisfy the challenge of capitalism. So mantra number 14, and I think the title of that is Beware of Magical Metrics. (laughs) Metrics. <laughs> okay. I think we set this up, Dana. Take us, man. Take us from here. 
Absolutely. So as far as the quote goes, Marty, I mean, you know, and I think this is important for your listening audience is that business begins and ends with customers. Yeah. I mean, it's really that simple, right? So, you know, in this world, and especially as businesses become successful, they lose focus. They, they get abstracted on, you know, things like their portfolio or product offerings or, yeah. you know, they push things out the door. And at the end of the day, you have to have just, you know, continual touch points with your customers to ensure that you're doing the right things. You know, it, it, throughout the whole book, we talk about that, uh, as well as the identity and who you are. And when you get lost, you know, what happens is when you lose focus of your brands, then what, you know, your revenues fall uh, precipitously thereafter. So, you know, it's all about customers. And if you get too big, you get lost. Well, define magical metrics. What, what are, yeah. what, what are they or what, well, tell us more what you mean. Yeah, thanks for that, Marty. Uh, so certainly, you know, this is a bigger issue when you get into larger companies. But, you know, I think we've all probably participated in all these surveys where um, you have some university or some think tank calls and they're trying to decipher and create, you know, what defines a growth company or what defines a successful company. And what I mean by that is they ask questions like, hey, how many patents a year? you know, uh, do you offer? How many new products do you launch a year? What percentage of your revenues represent your total, um, uh, based against your total revenue base? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, how often do you obsolete your inventory and things like that? And they try to derive out of the cross section of all these metrics with many conversations, who you are in, 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 again, I've worked for Medtronic and I've seen all these KPIs, key performance indicators or key performance metrics. And, and you, and you start to try to design a business around this one. In reality, people need to be cautious. And, and to me, you triangulate your business. There's three metrics that are ultimately important. Revenue growth, earnings growth, and market share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you keep your eye on those three metrics, and, and we can briefly talk to them. So, example, you know, if your earnings, by example, are growing faster than your revenues, then you've got a fundamental problem. It means that you're not growing your business any longer. And, and the more and more effort, you, what happens is you start, it's a Band-Aid. It's a, it's a death spiral. Well, let, 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 me, let, me, let me jump in, Don, because I want to be sure that everybody understands. Now, you said if your earnings outperforming I guess on a percentage basis your revenue your you need to kind of wake up to that why what 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 what, what do you mean by that so example to it, it's a really a question of focus okay so if you begin to focus on your earnings you begin to redeploy your people on earnings and what I mean by that is that when when all of a sudden your internal customers, when you begin to chase earnings, think about this for a minute. When 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 you chase a new customer, when you cha- when you focus on revenues and on the top line, you chase a brand new dollar for the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you chase earnings, you have to take away your cost of goods, your business infrastructure, your you know all your salaries, yeah. and what happens is you're chasing pennies on a quarter. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, so yeah, you can chase those pennies, but <clears throat> this is the killer: is when you chase pennies, you have to take your your R and D resources, your growth resources, and redeploy them from growth 
to focus on earnings because what happens is you can't take it still requires a cross-functional team. It takes your R&D resource. It takes your manufacturing engineering resource, your regulatory, your quality, your, your, all these resources. Because at the end of the day, when you chase those pennies, let's say you, have, you can go to a new vendor and get a, a discounted price. You still need to qualify that. You still need to file the paperwork. You still need to change the specifications. Yes. That takes a team. Yes, yes. So when your your team gets focused on the bottom, well, what's happened is those critical resources are no longer focused on the top. Yes. You're, so, you're, you're focused on reducing some operating costs or expenses, yes. which, which uh, you know, one of my favorite things is you can't, cannot cut your way to greatness. You just, that, you, you can't right. do it, right? Uh, exactly. In my opinion, and I guess in yours too. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so you're doing. So there may be reasons why you're doing that. Uh, executives may want to decide to do that in a big company or a small company, typically bigger companies. Um, yeah. But you're saying, hey, danger. There's something going on there. You really say, let's focus on that top line, on that revenue growth, right? Yeah, you want to focus on the on the top always, because again, you you can redeploy your people, but you want to go after that brand new dollar, that brand new customer. Yeah. And and to me, it, it's very simple. I have an analogy, which is if you grow the top, the bottom will follow. Yeah. And if you think about that like an elevator, right? So as long as you choose good problem, good products to work on that have value for your customer you'll be able to drive the revenue growth. Right. Now, as you drive the brand new dollar into the business and you've identified a, a product opportunity that has a respectable gross margin associated with it, well, then the bottom will naturally rise. Right. Here's the problem. When you focus on the when you focus on on the bottom instead of the top, it's like a building. If you have a four story building and the elevator can only go up four stories, you can only ever squeeze so much money out of that thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's why if you focus on keep on adding, you know, more and more floors to the building, the elevator can continue to grow. So grow the top and the bottom will focus. And, you know, when you start to have troubles, you should be doubling down. The mm. problem is, as executives, they, they can't control revenue growth, but they can control earnings because ah, yeah. they can redeploy people. Yeah. That's where the slope gets very slippery. Yeah. I, I love that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's really good. I love that. Um, yeah. Now, there are different reasons why people would do that. Again, um, especially in publicly traded companies, I think we all understand that there's there's pressures to do certain things, not necessarily yeah. the right pressures and for the right reasons. Um, but but it, it happens. I guess we understand it. But that is a critical thought process. Now, do you mean we should ignore operational efficiencies? No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I, I'm saying if you chase revenues and if you identify products with an exceptional gross margin, well, not exceptional, even, you know, between, I like 50 to 80 to 50 to 90, uh, the, you're going to naturally get the earnings. The earnings will drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, and you also talk about these uh, in terms of magical metrics is comparing uh, particular size companies in, in different industries to your industry. Talk to me yeah. about that because that's an important part in this chapter. Yeah, I think that's a, that's great. So, example, if you think about Apple, you know, arguably one of the most successful companies, you know, um, in, in the foreseeable marketplace. Apple's marketplace is they're in consumer electronics. So what that means is that it's acceptable to uh, have to obsolete your predecessor product within a year's time. 
you know, that your customers are okay with that. And so what that means is it means that you don't have a massive legacy portfolio. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at metrics and you want to begin comparing Apple and you want to say, my God, how frequent they are obsoleting products? How many new products do they launch? What percentage of new products represent their total revenue portfolio? Well, you can say, my God, if you want to be like Apple, you have to, you know, obsolete. 40% 40% of your products mm. uh, every three years or, or 30% of your revenues need to come from – well, those are really good directional indicators. But if you're General Electric or you're Medtronic or Johnson & Johnson or Boeing and all of a sudden you make product like locomotion or you make airplanes or you make yeah. washing machines, yeah. well, your customer base, your installed base can't have you obsoleting that product because these products are going to live on for 20 years. Yeah. means you have to carry a massive inventory. Imagine if you built a brand new house and then all of a sudden you had to replace your dishwasher and you can't find a dishwasher to fit back into your granite cabinets that you had, you know, yeah. custom made. Yeah. You'd that's be freaking a, out. Yeah, that's really an important because companies make those mistakes all the time. Quite frankly, they look at those measures. I mean, I'm with clients all the time. Say, well, let's look at. I, I mean, I think it's good to look outside of your industry for different uh, methodologies, marketing ideas. Uh, you know, innovation. It's fine, but to copy right. the metrics is is a dangerous territory. If again, a great example. If you're uh, if you're Apple, you want to change products all the time. They do change all the products products all the time for to get right. their share and to get their increased revenue. But great example. But if you're building locomotives or airplanes, washing machine, they, they gotta be they gotta be in place. You need parts for all that. You gotta take care of all that, right? Right, and that's the key. So a lot of these studies they don't take into consideration legacy portfolios. Uh huh. And in the legacy portfolios, example, if you're a medical device and, and you make a medical implant, make a pacemaker, my God, you got to make sure that you're going to sustain that pacemaker for that person for, yeah. you know, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't just abandon that product and that technology. Yeah. So what it does is it just throws into question. It throws into chaos the results. And I only mention that because, again, I've worked for companies and they've tried to adopt these metrics as a measure of success. Yeah. What I you know, but the best metric is this, that if, the, if you look at the three, if you look at revenue growth, you look at earnings, as long as earn, revenue continues to outpace earnings or even at the same rate, you're healthy because you'll, the top will drop to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Can, also, too, the third metric is market share. Yeah, yeah. And market share is a critically important metric, but a lot of businesses don't like it because they can't control it. It's once again, it's kind of that revenue story. But here's the key, right? So let's take let's take um, Mylan, you know, the Heather Brush, the EpiPen. Yes. You know, so she was able to. There was two companies. One company ultimately, FDA took them off the market. She had a monopoly. She raised her prices eight hundred percent. So what happens is, if you look at purely P and L. uh, and ignore your customers momentarily, your revenues are going to go up, yeah. your earnings are going to grow up, and you think, my God, you, from the street perspective, hey, that's great. Yeah. Well, what's happening to your customers? You are screwing your customers because <laughs> now you've just increased their prices. Yeah. And what's going to happen is that those short-term earnings and revenues are, are only going to be short until your customers find an alternative option. Yes. And trust me, and if you're a successful business, yes. competitors will come and when they come heather's gonna get screwed and, and, and you know and so be it and she's gonna deserve it um, i love your i love your frankness and your directness <laughs> and you are absolutely brother you're right brother i mean markets have shown this over and over and over again 
and her right. market share is and her market share is going to decline rapidly when when an alternative to that appears of which it will um yes. <laughs> it will right um, yes <laughs> well the technical so, term is she's going to be screwed uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to me yeah, yeah well, sorry Mark. we're speaking the me, truth it's... man it's we're speaking the truth yeah. so mark so, and then so in her case or in general market share is the third leg of that stool so no matter who you are no matter what size business you are you want to understand do you have market share of your products right. and services right because your market share tells you everything, right? Your market share is the ultimate barometer of customer satisfaction. Yeah. If your prices are too high, they're going to go elsewhere. If they do, So it's the value. If you offer them the best value, you're going to be rewarded with market share. Market share brings revenues. Revenues drop earnings. So yeah. Yeah. conversely, if you see that your market share is, is is small, well, then you need to ask, it goes back to your customers. How come your customers aren't satisfied with your goods and your products? Yeah. Maybe they're vanilla. Maybe they cost too much. Yeah. Maybe they don't add enough value. So to me, everything we've talked about in our eight interviews, it begins and ends with customers. Yeah. That's where your breakthrough technology takes place. You know, and, and so now as we close out the book and we talk about metrics – you know, it, this thing all comes together, right? Absolutely. If, if you have great value, you're going to have great market share. Great market share reflects in your in your revenue and earnings. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you feel strongly, well, I don't know if that's the right word, but you, you make a, a point, a case, to say once you get around that $500 million yeah. level, um, you see, you have feelings on that. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I I mean, so I've lived this, right? I've been I've lived this startup as well as I've lived been part of this twenty eight billion dollar behemoth uh, called Medtronic, and I would tell you that you, you know I found the most successful company size during my journey uh, was around five hundred million or smaller, and the reason being is if you think about that, right? You, you when, a company that size, when you start to equate revenues to employee, you know, you probably need a business somewhere in the order of $200,000 per employee to a million or maybe more. That's going to equate to somewhere between, you know, 200 to 1,000 people. A company that size, what that means is you know everyone's name. Yeah. You know what everyone's doing. Yeah. There are no places to hide. There are no frivolous positions. There are no frivolous jobs. Right. And leadership also has the ability to understand who's being hired. They understand they're looking at those revenues so they know where the value is being brought in. And if people begin to try to do things that aren't value added, and what I mean by this is key, think about what your customer be willing to pay. And so when you are small, when you're under five, when you're five hundred million dollars or under as a company, what happens, what's important is people focus on the end paying customer. Mm-hmm. When it's for mm-hmm. whatever reason, when you move beyond that, you have internal customers. Yeah. Yeah. Traditionally well, called traditionally called silos. Right? Yes. You're reporting to your excellence. silo. Your 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 P and L responsibility is to your silo, not necessarily to the company. Well, beyond that size, you begin to grow staffs because now you're trying to cut waste. Ah, yeah. There you go. Right? So instead of focusing on your end customer, you begin to focus on internal customers. Yeah. Well, boy, now you're bringing people in. You're creating staffs. What are their interests? 
They're worried about things like, oh, let's reduce inventory costs. Let's reduce the number of suppliers we have so we can better leverage them. Let's try to, you know, squeak out another penny from our resource chain. Yeah. Well, you know, let's, how do you reduce your overhead? Well, you know, now you're putting all these efforts in place that once again – you're going to begin to create an army of people you're paying for that your customer and customer wouldn't pay for, doesn't care for, yep. as well as you distract your people from focusing on top-line growth again. Yep. You begin to redeploy your army to operational earnings. And this, again, it turns into a death spiral. So to me, if you keep companies at, at that $500 million mark or less, it, it – there is you create that entrepreneurial spirit, which you know it it should dive us right into our next mantra. Yeah, and which <laughs> is the, a new book or that book yep. or or the continuation. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I mean, keep your business units yeah. autonomous yeah. to live or die on their own. Yeah, and 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 this is a nice way we talked about. You know, the importance, you know, when we opened up this session, Marty, you talked about, you know, the quote, which is, you know, your products need to prove if, if they yeah. can, you know, sustain ultimate capitalism. Yeah. Well, if you keep your business units autonomous to live or die, what that means is that once again, instead of hiding them into this great centralized structure right. or, or creating them into this portfolio where they get lost – yeah. Well, the, the, now you don't know if they're truly – if your customers are truly happy. What what will happen with these, these things over time is they turn into a product line. They ultimately get lost. Yep. But if you, if you keep a business unit autonomous, there is no better incentive – let me repeat this. There is no better incentive to know that your job depends on your company's success. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When yeah. you be, but when you become big, right? When you when you when you're no longer part of that end customer focus, well, you become complacent. You you know you you turn into that nine to five job. You start worrying about things like this is how the silos happen. This is how personal yep. agendas happen. Yep. But yep. boy, when you're small and you're autonomous, let me tell you, everyone is focused on the end customer. It's, because if it, you're not, you will be weeded out quickly any yes. agendas will be weeded out you got it well we need to wrap up um the three words that kind of come to my mind from this discussion and all our discussions is uh you know the entrepreneurial spirit should be alive and well no matter what size company you're at focus clearly obsessively on your customer and leadership matters um <laughs> that's what I've taken from our eight sessions. Again, uh, oversimplified, I know, but boy, you drove home those points. I, I I was so engaged in discussion. I should have said several times who you are in your book. I'm going to say that now in, in kind of closing up uh, this whole series. Uh, I have been speaking with Dana Oliver and his book that we've been talking about is Mantra Design, Innovate, Buy or Die, Discover the Secrets for Profitable and Lasting Innovation. Dana, this is the last time for this segment, at least, or this year, that you're going to be part of the Business Builders Show. What's the way, best way for people to reach you? And also, there's another book that I want to make sure that people know about. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so the best way to reach me is through my website, right, which is www.mantra, M-A-N-T-R-A, 
leadership.com mantra leadership one word.com and you know you can preview you know, our interviews marty you can preview my books other interviews i've done get a good flavor of who i am so the best way to do it and then uh, certainly i had a predecessor book but it's really uh, called mantra leadership which focuses on emotionally intelligent innovation leadership um, which can increase your team's productivity by as much as 30 uh, percent if you employ that uh, philosophy Dan, it's been a, an honor, a treat, uh, an educational system for our audience, our business audience. I, I so appreciate your willingness to take time to share uh, what I consider your wisdom with our business audience. So, Dana, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show for eight editions. <laughs> Marty, thank you. I'm going to miss uh, you in D.C. here. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, you've, we've become friends here in, in extension. This has been uh, great we're going to have you back in 2017 so i wish you the very very best in all your endeavors stay in touch so you have been listening to the business builder show i am your host marty wolf dc taylor has been at my side as he always is in this show and other shows you can listen to dana's interviews and all our past shows at marty wolf i want to make sure i say thank you to the sponsors of, our, of this particular show, and that's Kevin's Worldwide, and they're one of America's leading promotional products and uniform companies. You can learn more about them at kevinsww.com. So Marty Wolf, D.C. Taylor saying thank you, and have a great week. Bringing the business classroom to you, it's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.